Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today to Off the Bench. I'm glad you guys are here at my little corner of the internet, my little my little oasis away from the world and the mask, uh, the masquerade that I find myself in every time I walk outside the studio doors. I'm glad you guys are here. Hey, by popular demand, I have a very special guest on the show with me today. My friend Bill Jack is back here today, and we're going to talk about all things faith and culture and what's happening right now in the middle of the Rona. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So thanks for tuning in today. You guys know that because it's Thursday, so we're going to do this podcast for Thursday and Friday. Uh, we've just started a brand new study at MomStrong International. It's not too late to join us. Those studies drop on the first Monday of every month. So we're wrapping up the week of that first study in December and we'll do live teaching. So if you're in the Portland metropolitan area, Portland, Vancouver, you can come and sit in on that live. We do live teaching every Wednesday night starting at 6 30 p.m. Uh, this is a great time to be studying the book of Revelation. We are entering the trumpet judgments, and then we'll be transitioning out into the bowl judgments. You guys, someone said to me, and I'm going to keep saying this, you know, I don't want to talk about Revelation. It's so depressing. Revelation is anything but depressing. Revelation puts evil men on notice. Revelation says God's going to come back and he's going to make this thing right. And we're in a mess right now. And uh, that's one of the reasons I love my friend Bill Jack so much. I first heard him, oh my goodness, it's been years ago at a homeschool conference. You know, homeschool speakers are like ships in the night. We sort of pass each other in the hallway and high five each other. And sometimes... Uh, we get to know each other, and I've just been privileged to get to know Bill over the years. He's an educator. He is the founder of Worldview Academy and uh, just a champion for truth and for justice, and he loves this nation, and uh, I am just honored, honored, honored to have him. So, hey, Bill, my friend, welcome back to the it show. It is so good to be back here, and I am I am pumped at the opportunities that, that are before us as Christians in this nation, while at the same time... Um, grieving over the slide that we are hitting. And I, I kind of view myself as sitting at the bottom of, of a 14er out here in Colorado during the avalanche mm. season and looking up and realizing that there's nowhere for me to run because the little snowball at the top of the hill has become right. the avalanche that's going to sweep me away. And yet, at the same time, as you just pointed out, I, I agree that God is sovereign and he has called us for this time. And we have opportunities to proclaim truth and grace. Mm, and it's an incredible time to be a Christian. Yes. You know, I keep telling Christians, you know, I don't understand. Let's just start here because you and I haven't talked about this on the phone yet. I was thinking we just had such a great conversation. We're going to ruin the podcast. But <laughs> I was thinking, you know, talking about just what an amazing time it is to be a believer. And we see churches still, Bill, all over the country who will not open their doors. And I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on that. Well, you know, we can we can recite all of the ills that we're facing in a culture that has gone secular and mm. how the church in general has kowtowed to the secular call. Uh, but there are places where, where Christians are standing up. And, and mm -hmm. for example, of all places, California has been the the site of the revolution. Yes. You know, isn't that amazing? And of all yes. people, guys like uh, John MacArthur, 
mm-hmm. who, who really, uh, you know, he's a great Bible teacher, but he never got it right, really, in my opinion, on Romans 13. I agree. Yeah, and, he's getting and, it now, though. Yeah, and so he's been pressured by his congregation who keeps showing up and saying, we're doing church. And finally, yeah. he just said, okay, and we, he had to stand up. But, yeah. But the idea that that we are always to be submissive to government is not a biblical notion. It's not a Romans 13 notion. We are to be obedient to the higher authorities, probably the better translation of Romans 13. And so Christians are always obedient to true authority, and true authority comes from God. And so you're seeing congregations like MacArthur saying, we recognize that Jesus is king, not government. Jesus is God. Government Mm -hmm. is not God. We will obey government when it has its rightful jurisdiction, but we are always obedient to true authority. And that's one of the things that I teach at Worldview Bridge Year, which is our our Bridge Year program for students who want to turn the best week of their life from camp into the best year of their life. It's a two Is this at the Abbey? Is this Worldview at the Abbey? Worldview at the Abbey. My nephew just finished that. Really? He loved it. Yeah, River is his name. Yes. Shout out. That's my nephew. I didn't know that River was your nephew. River, River is my nephew. Well, I love was, him. He was a hoot. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, I enjoyed having him in my class. <laughs> and and he he was always there for discussion. So that's great. Yep. He's a thinker, that one. Yep. So one of the things we teach there is jurisdiction. You know, who has the right to speak law? And that's what we're facing in our culture. That's why business owners are hurting because the government has usurped their authority to run their businesses. This goes Mm. back to what happened with Jack Phillips and the cake issue here in Colorado. What happened with Baronel Stutzman in Washington? What happened with the Klein family in Oregon? And it is a matter of who has the right to speak law. And I'm here to tell you that that there are Christians who are waking up and going, wait a minute, we are out of whack here. Mm-hmm. And it is Christians are obedient to true authority. So I, I don't like the idea of civil disobedience because mm-hmm. Christians are always obedient to true authority. True mm-hmm. authority comes from God, therefore always obey God. Mm-hmm. And we need mm-hmm. to teach that in our families. That's one of the things that that uh, I was really impressed with in the book "Live Not by Lies." Yes, by Rod Dreher, and he he talks about in one spot he said in the coming soft totalitarianism, Christians will have to regard family life in a much more focused, serious way. Mm. The traditional Christian family is not merely a good idea. It is also a survival strategy for the faith in the time of persecution. Christians should stop taking family life for granted, instead approaching it in a more thoughtful, disciplined way. We cannot simply live as all other families live, except that we go to church on Sunday. Holding the correct theological beliefs and having the right intentions will not be enough. Christian parents must be intentionally Countercultural in their approach to family dynamics. The days of living like everybody else and hoping our children turn out for the best are over. Mm. And that's one of the one of the benefits I see with this pandemic is that 
many people, many families, many parents' eyes are being popped open to the evils of secular education, of Mm -hmm. state Mm -hmm. education. And they are beginning to move to homeschooling. There has been a surge in home education interest, even if it's out of necessity. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's there's a there's a benefit, and I think what what they intended for evil may turn to good. God will turn mm-hmm. it to good, and it starts with families. Mm-hmm. So it absolutely does. Well, and and it's and I love that uh, I love that book. As you and I, we're, you know, we're uh, talking about last week, just texting each other. That everybody else, you guys, you know, run, don't walk, go get that book, pick it up because I I picked it up with a little bit of skepticism. You know, from my friend Steve sent it to me. He, you know, I was too busy. He was like, forget it, Heidi, you're a pain. I'm just going to send it to you. So we did, <laughs> which is the reason why I read it in the first place. I couldn't put it down. Right. I was like, oh my word, this guy. Did you feel that way? He's nailing it. Yes. I, I was skeptical about reading it too because of the reviews I'd read of his previous work. But I gave I read it and then gave it to a friend of mine who's a pastor. And within three days he he wrote me back, emailed me, and said he sent out a uh, an email to his entire congregation saying yeah. this is a must read book. Yeah. And and yeah. it's 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 something that that is so encouraging because he he interviews those who survive totalitarian regimes, especially in Eastern Europe. And mm-hmm. one of the things I took away from this is that Christians at that time were trained to see, judge, and act. Yes, and we yep. need to we need to instill that into our children. See what's going on, judge it, filter it through Scripture, and then act even if it is a small act, even if it is something that that appears to be, oh, meaningless in the big picture, we are all called not just to see what's going on or judge what's going on, but we need to act in a positive way. And that's why I'm saying I, I believe there's hope and I believe that Christians are have the opportunity to wake up. Jack Hibbs has a church in Southern California in Chino Hills. 10,000 people there every single weekend. They don't, they're not doing masks. They're not social distancing. They're not doing any of that stuff. And yet, not a single case of the Rona. It's amazing. And the joy that you feel that you are, it's amazing to me. Uh, and I'm hoping that more people, and I think we're going to see this more and more, are going to start to take his uh, his cue and just do the thing. Someone came to an event that I did a couple of weeks ago and said, how were we able to do that? And I, I'm puzzled by this question, Bill, because the answer is I just did it. I just opened up my building. We opened up our church, but we see we're being driven by fear right now in the culture. And uh, it's unbelievable. And fear is a spirit. So how do you come against that? People who are listening right now are going, I see what's going on, you know, masks everywhere. It feels like, what are we, nine months into 14 days to flatten the curve now or something stupid like that? And it's getting worse, not better. Are you, do you are you seeing the same thing where you are? Yes. And we have restaurants now shut down and, and more restrictions um, by our governor. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting because I, if you look at church history, the early Christians um, in the in the early part of the church were required once a year. You could believe anything you wanted to believe. There were mystery religions all over Rome. 
But once a year, everyone was required to stand before a statue of Caesar, drop a pinch of incense into a flame, and declare publicly, Caesar Curios, Caesar is Lord. Now, those who did not were not persecuted because they believed in Jesus. They were persecuted because they were declared to be enemies of the state. They Mm. were tortured. They were killed. The term Roman candle, you know, that we use during Fourth Mm -hmm. of July, that Mm -hmm. was really because Nero burned Christians to light the streets. They were nicknamed Roman candles. Now, today, Christians are coerced into silence. They're being required to drop the pinch of incense before the secular state. And that's what you're, you're grieving over, Heidi, is that the churches are dropping the pinch of incense. And I, I'm saying that there are things that Christians can do to stand up for liberty. In, in that book, he talks to he interviews somebody who said that that there were small communities and when they were with when you were with your friends in these communities you had freedom and then after he he says this after we tasted freedom in these communities we gradually came to want to fight for freedom for everyone mm. christians need to stand for liberty for all not liberty for some because if we don't have liberty for all, we have liberty for none. And we need to stop pinching the incense. I'll, I'll give you an example. This, this is a personal example. At, at the Bridge Year program at Worldview at the Abbey, um, we take our students out. It's, we don't just cloister them and we don't just retreat from culture. We have them go out periodically and we take them to the local park, which is right across the street from the high school in Canyon City, Colorado. And because the high school is an open campus during lunch, students flow out of the building across the street through the park and down to the fast food restaurants. So we have an opportunity to engage them in conversation. So we take our students out there. They they share Christ with them. We're talking to the potential dropouts, the druggies, the smokers who hang out in the park. Okay. Well, what happened just recently is there's a drug dealing problem in the park and they can't seem to solve it. They have, they have police there. Every time we're there, I've seen police, but they can't catch them in the act. So what the city and the school has done is come up and reached an intergovernmental agency agreement, an IGA, in which the city says now the park is officially school property from dawn to dusk, five days a week, nine months out of the year. In an attempt to solve the drug dealing problem. Well, what does that do for our students from the Abbey? What does it do for me? It means that I can't be in that park. I can't engage students in conversation. And I decided enough is enough. We're going to go ahead and do this. 
So we went out to the park because the day before I'd gone over there and I'd watched people who were eating lunch in the park. An older couple had a picnic lunch. Moms were bringing toddlers playing on the playground equipment, bicyclists going through the park, dog walkers going through the park, and nothing was said. So I said, okay, we're going to bring our students out. The next day we took our students out. Local pastor joined me and the principal came over. We had a cordial conversation, but I pointed out to him, I said, look, here's what the problem is. You're trying to solve a spiritual problem with a legal remedy. And yep. he said, that's not going to work. All you're doing is moving the drug dealing down a back alley so it's just out of your sight. You don't have to look at it. Mm-hmm. I said, we're here solving a spiritual problem with a spiritual remedy. We're proclaiming the gospel, to which he responded, well, that's your opinion. And he said, I really don't mind that you're here, but wouldn't you just, would you just agree to come over to the school and sign in so that I know who's in the park. Now, most Christians would say that's reasonable. But I say that is the pinch of incense I'm not willing to give to Caesar because he is closing an historically traditional public forum trying to solve a problem that he's not going to solve. He's just moving it down the road. And we are not going to give up our liberties to just get along. I cannot say that Caesar is Lord. It goes back to this issue of jurisdiction. The school does not have jurisdiction over a public forum known as a public taxpayer-supported park. And yet most Christians will go, oh, just sign in. That's how liberty is lost by those small incremental acts of pinching the incense before the statue of Caesar. So then what do you do? So now he's effectively bar you from the park. How's that work? Well, um, we will appeal that decision if it comes to it. We are not Mm -hmm. going to give up our liberties. And if they say you can't be in the park, I'm going to say I obey the higher authority. I obey the Constitution. I believe Mm -hmm. in free speech. I believe in freedom of assembly. I believe in free press. I believe in equal protection under the law, the 14th Amendment. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what they're going to have to do is they're going to here, here's here's what Christians must understand when you when you come up against uh, people in positions of authority and they're trying to curtail liberty. The Christian's job is not to view them as an enemy, but to view them as an obstacle and get them to realize what what is the what is the world's highest standard? What's the world's highest value? It's what they cry about all the time. Peace, peace, but there is no peace. The world's highest value is peace. What's the Christian's highest value? Truth. Well, no, man, right now I think it's uh, safety. Well, for the Christian, for the biblical Christian, it is always truth. Yes. And so 
I don't care how lovingly you go out and speak the truth. You are always disturbing the world's peace and they're going to try to shut you up. They're going to try to kill you. And so the Christian just has to has to have this mindset when they approach somebody in a position of authority is it's going to cause you, Mr. Principal, more trouble to stop me from doing what's right than if you just let me do what's right. Because their highest value is peace. My highest value is truth. I have the edge. And so I'm not willing to give up liberty for the issue of so-called safety. I'm not willing to give up liberty for the so-called issue of peace. Mm. And once the world understands that Christians stand for liberty for all, then they're drawn to us. They recognize there's something different about us because we seek first the kingdom of God. And then all these things are added to us. Why do we have such liberty and prosperity and security and civility in this nation? It's because we started out recognizing that God is sovereign, that Jesus is king. It didn't mean that everybody's a Christian. It didn't mean they all thought Christianly, but they thought more Christian than Christians do today. Thomas Jefferson, who wrote, all men are created equal endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Thomas Jefferson, who wrote that the liberties of a nation can be, can the liberties of a nation be sure when we remove their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are a gift of God. He's the same guy who rewrote the Bible, cutting out all the miracles, which kind of tells you where he was theologically. But how could he write that other stuff? Because of his education, He was trained to think biblically. He thought more biblically than most Christians do today. He spent his entire life trying to throw off a Christian mindset because of his education. I've spent my entire adult life trying to throw off a secular mindset because of my public school education. Well, there you go. I mean, and that that brings the whole thing right back around to what the crux of this is, which is we have been uh, very lax for the last, what, probably four generations at least now. Our kids don't know the Bible. Most most Christians that I talk to today, they don't know God's word. We don't know history. It's a lack of education is uh, like uh, all around, which is why we find ourselves at this curious place with Romans 13 and this absolute lack of ability to be able to apply it as it should be applied, right? And we see this, we say this with our kids when they don't understand the difference between uh, communism and consumerism. I was talking, or capitalism. I was talking to a teenager the other day and she said, well, uh, communism is just, we, we, we embrace uh, capitalism. We just embrace it for everyone at the same time. And I'm like, can you can you hear yourself? <laughs> like they're completely so for people who are listening. So I feel like we we touched on Romans thirteen. I want to kind of move to something different because you and I at the very beginning of this we talked about civil disobedience because I told you I had gone to a restaurant here in Washington State, one of only just a handful of restaurants that have been courageous enough because believe it or not, it takes courage to open your restaurant for indoor dining right now because the Rona might get you. Oh no, they're not worried about the Rona. They're worried about their government. I guarantee you they're not worried about the Rona. They're worried about uh, whether or not the government's going to come in and shut them down. So here in Vancouver, actually most of the state of Washington now, they've banned indoor dining. They said, oh, you can eat outside. 
So if you put up a tent, you can eat in the tent because apparently the Rona won't get you in the tent, only inside the other building. So the outside inside's okay, but the inside inside's not okay. And, and then there's, and it, the, there's the 10 o'clock curfew. Because, right, yeah. Because it doesn't show up after 10, you know, before 10 o'clock, but after 10 So it's absurd. Yeah. So what do you do? These these people, they're not, they're not proving science. I think at the beginning of this, people were willing to listen, right? We thought, well, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what we're dealing with. Well, now we do know what we're dealing with and we see we're being lied to. And so we're looking at all. So I said, I went to a restaurant and I called it civil disobedience. You said you don't like that because Christians are always obedient. We're just obedient to the higher authority. So talk to example. For example, in Acts chapter four and five, you, you read the story about Peter and John, how they go out and they yep. preach in Jesus's name. A man gets healed, creates a disturbance throughout Jerusalem. They're praising God. And the Pharisees, Sadducees, Herodians, and Ramalama ding-dongs, those in positions of authority, all were upset because they said, if we allow these men to continue preaching in the name of Jesus, they will bring his blood on our heads. And we got to stop this. The Romans are going to come in and take our place from us. So we got to stop this. They drag them in to the Sanhedrin and they said, I know what we'll do. We'll just tell them don't do this anymore because we're the Supreme Court. They were the Supreme Court of Israel. That'll work right. Peter and John stood up and notice what Peter and John said. They said, we don't understand. It's Matthew 10, 16. Be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. We don't understand. You tell us, should we obey you, Supreme Court, or should we obey God? Now, this shut the Supreme Court's mouth because not only were they the the Supreme Court of Israel, they were the religious leaders of Israel. They knew the answer. You always obey God. But they just said, don't do it again. They kicked him out. Peter and John went right back out and did it again. They dragged them back in. They said, we told you guys, don't do this. At this point, Peter and John stood up and here's what they said. We must obey God rather than men. Now, notice they didn't say, we're going to disobey you, Supreme Court. There's a mindset of difference there. Christians are always obedient to true authority. True authority comes from God. Christians always obey God. Now, we have a biblically-based document to which we can appeal. It is called the Constitution of the United States. We need to teach it to our students. We need to teach it to our families. We need to get over this biblical illiteracy, and we need to teach the Bible. We need to get over this lack of concern for liberty. We need to teach liberty. We need to make certain there's no confusion, and that is the word that marks our culture today is the word confusion. Mm -hmm. We need to Mm -hmm. make sure that we are not morally bankrupt and merely living off grandpa's faith. We need to we need to train people to think biblically. Peter and and John in Acts chapter four, Paul and Silas in Acts sixteen, when they were beaten, thrown in prison. We all know the story of the of the Philippian jailer. But what we don't read about is the next morning the magistrate said, 
sent a word down and said, eh, you know what, we probably overstepped and, and we just tell these guys to go out and, and they're free to go. What did Paul and Silas do? They said, uh-uh, uh-uh, can't touch this. You have unjustly beaten Roman citizens. You tell the magistrates to send their policemen down here and escort us out through the front door, not the back door, and let Fox and CNN and MSNBC all interview us. Now, that is, we, that is something that Christians go would not understand today. We stand for liberty. Now, Paul and Silas did that because they, need, they, they wanted to establish liberty. We as citizens, U.S. citizens, have a biblically-based document called the Constitution to which we can appeal. Paul did this in Acts 25, I believe it was, when he was unjustly accused. And the Jews wanted the Romans to send him to Jerusalem so they could you know, assassinate him on the way and said, let us try him in our courts. And Paul says, no, no, I, I can't touch this. I am a Roman citizen. I appeal to Caesar. What? Paul appealed to Caesar, a corrupt government? Yes, because even a corrupt government has laws that protect its citizenry. What we are facing today is not legislative, legislated laws. We are facing mandates, dictates from tyrants. Our founding fathers would be asking us if they were walking the streets today, when are you going to start shooting? Mm -hmm. And, And yet we have taken this because it's incremental. It started out flat in the curve. And then it is protect those around you. And then it is, and the next step, and pretty soon I'm going to be carrying a mandated rabbit's foot. I'm going to be wearing a mandated tinfoil hat. That's the effect of the mask, in my humble opinion. It is nothing more than a talisman for most people. Mm. And yet we submit. Okay, think about this. Think about this, Heidi. Okay, prior to coronavirus, it was always flu season. What did they always tell us during flu season? Wash your hands hands. and do not what? Touch. Don't go out when you're sick. Don't touch your face. Yes. Now, what do you see people doing today? Constantly adjusting what? The mask. A mask, which probably hasn't been washed in over a month of Sundays, which is nasty. And they're constantly adjusting the mask. It is, it is contrary to everything we've been told before. And yet we have bought into it. We have, we have drunk the Kool-Aid, in my opinion. It is the pinch of incense. So we need to train Christians to see, to judge, and to act biblically. I hope everybody is enjoying this conversation with Bill Jack. Every time he comes on, you know, I'm, I can always think of more questions than we've got time for him to actually answer. So I'm going to go ahead and end this conversation today. We'll pick it up again tomorrow. We're going to talk about the idea of civil disobedience. When is it uh, proper? 
Bill obviously has a different term. He doesn't like to use the term civil disobedience, but he and I both agree that it is time for uh, men and women of courage and men and women of conviction to stand against the tyranny that's happening in our nation right now. So that's a really important uh, distinction. We're going to make it more tomorrow. Hope you guys will come back, share the podcast. As always, we want to encourage you to leave reviews for the podcast over at iTunes. It encourages us greatly when you do that. And I want to make a shout out again and for Christmas cards, you guys can send that to us. We would love to hear from you. This is a great time of year to make a year-end donation. Probably never been more important than it is right now here at Firmly Planted Family and uh, the Heidi St. John podcast. And if this uh, podcast has impacted you in any way at all and you would like to make a donation, we'd be so grateful. You can reach out to us at uh, the Heidi St. John podcast, care of Firmly Planted Family at 11100 Northeast 34th Circle, Vancouver, Washington, 98684. We love you guys and we hope you have a great day. And I'm going to see you back here tomorrow on Friday for the rest of my conversation with my friend, Bill Jack. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.